Fellas, 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 welcome back to the farm system. Today, we're not doing an unfiltered here, Bo. This is a different Ooh. series. We got a guest today. Changing Bo. it we up, got baby. a guest today. <laughs> got, like, I already got a little experience because, again, we already jumped on our, our podcast a little back. The, we got Bianca McCall here from the Uni Podcast. And, and again, we had a future episode coming out. It's going to be so awesome. Again, I love the time that we spent together uh, then. But Bianca, thank you so much uh, for jumping on with us. You're going to be such a big part of the series that we're currently doing right now, which is on, I did steroids in college and I still sucked. So um, yes, well, uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us for one. Man, thank you so much, Joey, Bo. I'm, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Um, the farm system, you know, I, I learned a lot about it when, uh, when Joey came on the uni podcast. Um, and I just thought it was so just intuitive in a way, you know, where it just makes sense, you know, and, and at right. the same time, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, creative, <laughs> creative enough to where, you know, it's, it's one of those things, especially right now during, you know, COVID-19 impact. And we've got all these things that that's keeping people, you know, somewhat isolated. Um, this is a great way to, to keep people connected and, and Lord knows, um, you know, our athletes, you know, our, our aspiring athletes, we, we need, we need this, we need something to yeah. connect to. Right. So thank you for I, having me and having me be a part of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're actually happy to have you on uh, this topic, the uh, steroids and overall addiction. It's hits home for all of us. Um, it's, it's a lot bigger than sports, but a lot of these problems start from something we did while we were playing. Right. right. Um, and I want you to open that up a little bit, Bianca, with obviously you've been in the industry for a long time. You have a lot of experience. Um, why don't you Take us through your journey to kind of what led you to uh, kind of be the person you are today and so passionate about these kind of subjects. Sure, sure. Thank you uh, for the opportunity. Um, so where, where I come from, you know, I grew up in a, in a small town or what was a small town in, in Northern California, uh, Santa Rosa. It's about an hour north of San Francisco, about half an hour in every direction away from, from beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so being a part of that, that small town culture, um, you know, I was one of a handful of, of African-American families in a, in a small town. Um, and so what sports has done for me and, and what it means to me and my family um, is just something, you know, incredible, you know, incredible in terms of how it's uh, shaped my life's path. Um, my father, he's a retired basketball player, um, made it to tryouts at the, at the pros, got pictures with Spreewell and all the old school warriors, um, nice. but had an Achilles heel, um, injury, you know, so the same injury that KD had, uh, you know, that was a career ending injury for my pops, you know, several years ago. Um, you know, my mom is a, is a retired, uh, ED nurse. And so, um, and my dad eventually went into corrections. That was his life after basketball. Um, and so kind of that hard grind, you know, has is, is been ingrained in me uh, since day one, but also this, this kind of, um, I became a lover of people, you know, because when you talk about sports and how that brings people together and how, you know, just such like a, a passion, you know, is developed amongst athletes, this fraternity or sorority of, of, uh, of athletes. Um, I, you know, I grew up surrounded and emerged in that passion and that type of culture. So I love people naturally, you know, I love, I love the game of basketball. I love all sports. Um, I could sit in front of ESPN all day, uh, and, and, and watch just about everything. Um, but I also, you know, I love people. I love seeing people 
rise to certain occasions and, and be the best uh, version of themselves, whether that's in, in athletics or as a, as a person, um, as they can be. So, um, you know, that led me down the path of, of, I think, community and social service, you know, in general. Um, that's always been kind of an adjunct to what I do, you know, on the, on the basketball court. Um, also, some lived experiences that, I, that I've had that I wouldn't have had otherwise without being an athlete. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to compete on some high levels, um, played D1 basketball, played in the then uh, Pacific 10 Conference. Um, and, you know, being a collegiate athlete, you know, that step up from, from high school, um, it was, you know, you're talking about small pond Santa Rosa, right? I mean, that's like a, a water hole, you know, Santa Rosa. Um, and, and going to being a, a big fish, you know, I was a marquee player at Washington State University. Um, that was like being thrown out into the middle of the ocean and in the middle of, and I'm going to say the Atlantic Ocean because I'm not too familiar with Atlantic, you know, being from West Coast. So, um, so that was, that was a, a huge thing for me, you know, psychologically, um, you know, physically and spiritually, you know, I'm, I'm a power forward playing against women that are young women that are, you know, six feet, six feet, four and up, um, banging around in there. And, um, you want to talk about pressure and that's something that I've heard you guys talking about on, you know, the previous parts to, to the series, um, the pressure, uh, you're playing college sports, um, is immense, you know, and, uh, and you, it's sink or swim, you know, the analogy of, of, uh, waters is, is perfect because it really is like a sink or swim thing. Um, you sink, you go home, you know, and, and for some of us with our head down, you know, and, and feeling yeah. like, man, I, I failed. And, uh, and yeah, getting into that next chapter, you know, there's, there's pressure to be just ultimately successful in that next chapter because you didn't feel like you really grabbed it, you know, and on, on the field or on the court. Um, and for me, you know, it was just no different, you know? Um, right. I, I, you know, I went to college before I went to Washington State. I ended up transferring, um, and we'll probably you know get into some of this a little bit later. But um, I had an injury that should have been a career-ending injury on a recruiting trip my senior year in high school. Blew out my entire knee, uh, ACL, MCL, meniscus torn, um, and you know it was. I was in like my 11th pickup game on a, on an, on an official recruiting trip. And I was playing some of the best basketball of my life. I mean, th those girls at university of Rhode Island, uh, if they're listening, if they got family members listening, I was balling them up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta and, let them know. Uh, yeah. No, this, this, this one girl came out on a fast break and she did a hard jump stop. And I, I wanted to block shots cause that was my specialty. I was the block party on my, on my squad. Uh, yep. So I, I did a hard stop to try to block her shot, uh, tore everything on the way up, still blocked her shot. Um, oh. But, but came down. Yeah. Came down with, uh, with an injury. <laughs> quite an injury. Yep. Um, so I, you know, I'm a 17 year old girl uh, going into surgery uh, reconstructive surgery on my left knee. And, uh, they give me a button that says, this is your free access to morphine, 17 years huh. old, never wow. had anything before. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that injury was, was so significant because that was my first exposure to drugs, <laughs> you know, right. was, was recovering from an injury. So on top of the morphine drip, which they literally had to pull me away from, 
Um, I was crying, leaving the hospital saying, I'm not ready. It still hurts. Um, but they, they pushed me out. Insurance said, yeah, we're, we're done paying for, for morphine. Um, (laughs) they give me a bunch of, you know, hydrocodone to, to get through the pain outside of that. And I start taking that. And so, um, and I was taking it so that I would not feel pain, not taking it because I was in pain, but I just didn't want to feel the pain. You know, so I'm taking, I'm taking it every four hours. They say four to six, I say three and a half, you know, that <laughs> yeah. type of deal. And, um, and I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship uh, to another university, um, you know, after or coming right out of high school. Again, you know, it was, it was uh, the pressure of being able to perform and recover because back then, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, you, they didn't want to touch you after you had an injury like that. So I had pressure yeah. of, Hey, I had, I went from being top recruit in my class. I was recruited by every single college in the nation, except for two Ivy league schools um, to nobody wanted to touch me except for this one university. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there. Um, I'm taking hydrocodone. I'm also taking whatever, you know, training staff is giving me to, to help me recover. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what it was. Didn't even know then what hydrocodone and all that stuff is. Um, I'm just doing what I need to do so that I can perform because I did not want to go home with my head down. Mm, And, uh, turns out, you know, that one of the substances that we were taking ended up on the NC2A list for a banned substance. And so then you've got the fear of, oh my God, I'm going to have that, that mark on my, my reputation, on my record, you know, I'm not going to be able to do anything. Mm. Um, and it oddly enough, that was my primary concern. Um, but looking back now that I'm, you know, 10 some odd years at a, at a college, what was most concerning at that time was really my mental health because right. taking these substances affects, you know, everything, you know, Bo, I heard you talk about, um, you know, just breaking it down to a science, you know, things right. in the brain, um, you know, they stop producing chemicals when they have the, the synthetic chemical, you know, to yeah. suffice. And uh, when you're talking about, you know, the, the three main chemicals, dopamine, uh, norepinephrine, you know, um, yeah. and uh, serotonin, those are the three major chemicals, you know, in the brain um, that, that affect our happiness, our abilities to handle stress, you know, our, our, our stabilization of mood, our energy, um, and all of like the, uh, um, biological, you know, responses like our, our, uh, circulation, our breathing, all that. Right. Um, those were all, you know, impacted in, in my experience, you know, um, and taking some of these performance enhancers as well as, you know, being really hooked on opioids. I didn't even know, you right. know, yeah. I was one of those. Yeah. I was OG opioid epidemic. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. uh, so yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, during that time I had the unfortunate experience. Um, there was another, uh, women's basketball player that also was struggling with her mental health. I noticed, you know, some of the same characteristics and things, um, that she was experiencing that, that I had also kind of dealt with, but in, in silence, you know, I was very closeted with, um, my emotional, you know, health and well being, And, uh, so I would notice things like, Hey, she was super outgoing. She used humor just like I did, but she would have periods of times where she was super withdrawn as well. You know, Mm -hmm. couldn't find her late to practice, um, those sorts of things. 
You know, I had exhibited some of those symptoms too, where um, I was just really withdrawn. I had some, some pretty bad mood swings where I get really depressed um, and I start messing up, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't get to practice, you know, or couldn't get, couldn't get to class. So couldn't play, you know, yeah. um, stuff like that. I started having some, uh, some behavioral stuff too, you know, like I'm, I'm going into Winco, you know, I, I, I have no food, you know, I'm a scholarship athlete. I have no food and no money. You know, you think scholarship athlete, you don't have to pay for anything and everything's great. Well, yeah. no, it, it, you can't work, you know, you can't mm -hmm. make your own way in, in yeah. school. And so um, yeah. really kind of like trapped in poverty is, is what a scholarship yeah. athlete, you know, is. Right. So, you know, and I'm not proud of it, you know, and I, and I'm not condoning it, but I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. Um, I'd go into Winco and I'd, I'd steal a pack of ramen, you know, to eat, mm -hmm. you know, I was stealing to eat. I was, I was trying to, to maintain appearances, you know, cause yeah. yep. that announcement when you hit the court, you know, Bianca McCall and they expect you to be larger than life, but little right. do they know I can't eat. I'm hooked on hydrocodone and whatever else is, is being given to me. My yeah. knees hurt. I'm getting shot up with cortisone and they're yeah. telling me play through it. Uh, people don't know. People don't know that side of, of sports, you know? Yeah, sure. um, so uh, this, my teammate um, actually struggled with suicidality and I did have a teammate that, um, that died by suicide, you know, as a result of, of her battle uh, with depression and, and some of the, the inabilities to, to manage her moods and things. And uh, when that happened, that changed my, my life forever. You know, I, I thought to myself, I, I had a lot of feelings. One, uh, the primary feelings was guilt because I thought I knew something was going on, man. I'm feeling the same way. I've, I've had right. some same thoughts um, and I didn't say anything because I thought, ah, what do I know? You know, I'm just a kid. I messed up myself, you know, right. all the reasons why we don't usually say something. Um, and and I also felt a little bit of like, why wasn't that me? Not not glorifying it or saying that that's what I wanted for myself. Um, right. I didn't want to die, but I, wa I definitely wanted an escape from the current life, you know, lifestyle that I had. Um, but I, I felt kind of like, God, like, you know, you're, you're taking out people that are so close to me, you know, what, what am I doing right, you know? Uh, so there's a survivor's remorse, you know, that, that came with it. Yep. And, um, but at that point, you know, the, the beautiful thing that came from that, that tragedy, that tragedy to the family, to the school, to the community and our community of athletes as well, because that shakes us up, you know, the different, yeah, the different sure. teams. Um, yep. the beautiful thing that came from that tragedy is I know I made the decision and I wouldn't be surprised if there are many more, but I made the decision from that point that I was never going to stay silent again that this is what I want to do for, for life. Um, so at a very young age, I, I had my life's plan, my five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan already mapped out where I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help athletes. I'm going to help communities um, fight against, you know, uh, mental health issues and, and right. namely, you know, suicidality because um, it, mental health in general, there's so much stigma that surrounds it. Um, and I think especially so when you're talking about athletes, yeah. because we have to maintain this, this appearance, you know, like we have to be champions, you know, the, the yeah. journey or the road to championship is there's no weakness. There's no weakness in any area that's acceptable, you know? Right. 
So, um, so yeah, that very long roundabout way of, of answering your question, Bo. Sorry about that. Um, no, it's awesome. Is, is that's how I came to be the woman I am today. Um, I am, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm in uh, the industry of, of mental health currently. Um, but I, you know, it's kind of transitioned too, just with everything that's going on in the world. Um, I'm not even just in limited to that box of mental health. I'm in, I'm in the industry of life. I'm in the industry of, of people, of helping people. And um, the many different kind of cultures that I, that I can relate to or be relatable to um, is, is diverse. And I love that. And, and I try to make it, I try to be open in, in, a, in a representative um, of so many different people. You know, I'm a, I'm a Black woman. Um, I identify LGBTQ, you know. I, you know, I'm an athlete, a retired athlete. Um, you know, I'm also a, a licensed, you know, therapist. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm a businesswoman. Um, I'm a podcaster. You know, I host the, the uni podcast. I'm also, you know, creating and, and hosting other projects, trying to get into television, trying to get to Hollywood, Bo and Joey. <laughs> there uh, you go. You know, doing a doing a documentary. Um, you know, I, I recently released just in promotion um, a rap song, a rap video. Yep. You know, I'm, oh, nice. I'm just trying to do it all. I'm in the industry of life, um, right. just because it's it's such a challenge for so many of us, and, and we need more people on the front lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love yeah. that. I want to I want to go back to a part of your story. I mean, obviously, this is so impactful in your life. Now it's influenced you all this time to where you are today. You're 17 year old girl, 18 year old girl, 19 year old girl, take the substances out of it. That's a hard time in general with hormones going away. You add on the substance on top and you add on top that you don't even realize you're dependent on the substance yet, right? Like you think you have it under control. You think that you're putting on this face to the world and you really don't even know that you're struggling yet. Right. Um, I want you to open that up a little bit to what physically that's doing to your body and maybe how people can become more aware of the dependency that they don't even know that they have. I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah. You know, and, and something that I'm always talking about too, just in my, in my current profession, um, I'm talking about how uh, the way that trauma, right. And, and we can look at, you know, injury as a physical trauma, right. And, but it has an impact, not just physically, it has an impact on you psychologically and on you spiritually as well. Uh, and so when I talk about not knowing, you know, how this is, is affecting me, I think it starts with that. I think it starts with a lack of understanding, um, that I'm being impacted on many different levels. You know, it's not right. just surface like, hey, you know, my knee's hurting, you know? And, and being so young, um, you know, th- that's, not, that's not uncommon. You know what I mean? Um, right. The 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, when you have athletes that are being so heavily recruited and, and, bring, and brought on into NC2A or NCIA, um, there's not... There, there's not a level of understanding of, of all the areas of, of your life or your existence that's being impacted with some of those major decisions, like where to go for school and play ball, right? right? Um, even something as simple like physical is, doesn't just have to do with the body, you know? 
physical, in terms of your existence and your experience, physical was something like the business of NC2A, NCIA, right? Like it's, it's, it's physically, it's about monetization, you know, of, of the entertainment of watching stars like you, you guys and, and I play, play a sport that we love. Right. Right. Um, and, and there's not, there's not any training. There's not any real preparation for that. I mean, maybe nowadays we're talking about it a little bit more. We certainly have, you know, the big debate of whether or not uh, college athletes should be paid and, and things like that, or be a part of the business. But I'd like to see, you know, just starting from scratch to answer your question, Bo, is, is there needs to be some more education and awareness of all of the areas that, that are impacted with making simple decisions like, what, you know, what, what mascot we're going to wear on our chest, you know? Right. Um, so I, I didn't understand any of that. I didn't understand uh, that this was a business. I had no work history. I was, I was a high school kid from a small town. So going from no work history, well, I worked I worked at daycare at, at Gold's Gym, but uh, <laughs> but 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 going from that to the business of of collegiate sports, yikes! You know, I didn't know what was what I was obligated to do. You know, so when I'm saying, "Hey, my knee hurts, I can barely walk," especially you know, I went to school uh, up north, uh, both the Washington State and the Southern University, and and, uh, you know, cold winters, snow, you know, so we know what that does to the joints. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know, uh, business wise or professionally how I was supposed to handle, um, you know, being in so much pain. And, right. and so I, I thought that I was just supposed to deal with it. I was just supposed to handle it because in my mind, you know, I, I was told all the time, well, you're, you're a scholarship athlete, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're your school's paid for like, girl, yeah. what are you complaining about? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. And so, so that developed for me very early on. And then this is across the board now. So this is when I have emotional or psychological pain. This is when I'm spiritually struggling. I have adopted this whole um, ideas of how to, how to cope with that. And it's basically deal with it, whatever that means, yeah. you know, um, you, you, you have so much. So this comes with that you know? Um, and, and that's a very dangerous, dangerous way to, to develop, you know, that type of coping is, is, Mm -hmm. Hey, it's almost like not so much like I deserve it, but, uh, you know, it comes with the territory is, Mm -hmm. is just kind of what I've always adopted until very recently, you know, when it comes to my spiritual health and my emotional health, um, I, you know, now I'm, I'm thinking, no, you know, things happen and I have to build protective factors around myself so that yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, destroyed in the process. Yeah. Physically, I, I left physically out on purpose because uh, that mind, that mindset of an athlete is hard to shake. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm 39 years old and, you know, in my mind, I should still be able to go out and, and bang on these girls on the court. But right. I get out there and my fundamentals are there, but I'm not banging <laughs> like I yep. used to. And I get upset with myself. You know, I, right. I, I beat myself up and I'm like, ah, oh, like I'm old, I'm fat, yeah. I'm slow, you know. And <laughs> uh, so I'm still working. That's a work in progress there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's so interesting. I mean, first off, Bo, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going to point this out. I think uh, Bianca is the first female to ever be on our podcast. 
I think fellas, so. Fellas, fellas, yeah, yeah. fellas, fellas, ladies, fellas. ladies. No, we actually—it's so funny, Bianca. We actually had somebody walk up to me at a convention, and they're like, "My wife listens to me while I listen to this podcast, and she doesn't like how you say fellas, fellas, fellas." And I was like, "But the the, the root of all of that—it's funny—was actually an inside joke from college. Is one of our buddies used to walk up, and he used to say." fellas 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 and that was like we loved it was like you know a camaraderie thing you know and so like that's where that got pulled from and then you know obviously as we grew we didn't know at some point we're gonna you know we're gonna be where we were but no we're so happy we're so happy uh, to have you on i just wanted to celebrate that and you know also reward you with that that it it wasn't even a thought in my head until right now i realized holy crap she is the first female to have on our podcast um So again, um, you know, congratulations there. Um, we'll, a little, we'll send you a, we'll send you a trophy and a t-shirt or something, yes, <laughs> um, yes. but, um, no, love that. Um, and again, I love the experience and I know we talked a little bit about that on your podcast, um, as well, of, you know, starting to talk through these, you know, uh, things that, if, especially if you've never played at these levels, right. Or experienced these things that you don't understand that there is this other pressure. And it's not to say that, you can't, uh, Bo loves to say all the time, again, like you can't empathize with the feelings. Like we all know what those feelings feel like, but that you might not empathize with the, the, the situation. And you, if you've never been in that situation, you might not understand the feelings that are associated with that, with that uh, situation. Um, right. And so like, that's a big thing. Um, and, I, and a big reason we want to have you on as well is I'm, I'm, I'm sure um, it, our guests really love to talk about science. And a lot of times we're talking about, um, you know, uh, and, I mean, our listeners really love to listen to us talk about science and how the body works and all these other things. But when it comes to the mind, and again, a lot of the experience that you have, rather than us, you know, again, and Bo definitely has more of a background than I do as well, but it's great to have you on as well to have that backing of like, again, a lot of the things that we were feeling. Right. And, and that just tends to always be the case, even when it comes to movement or what's going on in the body, we're feeling something. And especially athletes, I think we talked about this is how aware of our bodies that we are. Right. right? And, right. and you knew that, right. I, I think you were having um, a conversation with your partner and you were, you were saying the same thing too. Like I can, I know this, like, I know, I know what my knee feels like. I know what's good. I know what's not good because I pushed it to this point of, again, I, you know, a tearing or, uh, injury. And I, I know my body so well. Mm-hmm. And so that's a different level for athletes. And it also comes to our brains because again, that's a performance aspect. It's not just my body. Mm-hmm. I know where my brain needs to be for me to perform at my top level. And I know when I'm not there and I know when I'm not being a good teammate and I know when I'm not responding to other people well, or I'm not, you know, um, you know, really operating well in that way. And I, um, would love for you to kind of open up on that side as well. Of I know you had mentioned some things before we started recording more on the side of, again, some of the things that we had talked about of uh, feelings that we were having throughout this process of um, dependence that we were building on, on the substance and, and those stages that we kind of talked through, right? So just to recap for the audience, um, the episode one, we talked about what led up to that decision, right? Episode two was being in it right? While we're doing it and, and, and the psychological effects with that. And then three was again, getting off and then the psychological effects that played with that, that part as well. Um, can you kind of open that up and this like maybe cross reference again, what's that like for normal ad- other addictions as well and other sure. things that people are doing with and suicidality and all that stuff as well. And if you can unwrap all that, I know that's a lot. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, and I've listened to, you know, the, the, 
prior um, uh, parts of the series. And, and I love what you guys are saying. I love how you're integrating kind of that scientific rationale um, for these experiences. And, and I completely agree with you, uh, you both on um, this transcends, you know, just steroids and, and, and even just baseball. Um, this is an experience that, that anybody does. Um, anything that we're putting into our body is, is recorded, you know, and, and, and the brain is kind of like our, our, um, like our, our motherboard, you know, to, to the ship. And so, um, and everything is recorded there, you know, so our nutrition, that's why nutrition is so uh, important, you know, important part of the discussion when it comes to performance, you know, and, and uh, productivity, you know, um, whether in sport or just in life in general. Um, in our brain, we have these receptors that are literally in charge of communicating to one another so that our bodies can do what it needs to do. Um, and and as well as releasing, you know, some chemicals that are in control of all of our major functions, like how happy we are, how much energy we have, um, how we're able to regulate certain things, moods, stress, traumas, um, whether it be physical, psychological, or spiritual traumas, all of that is regulated by these sets of chemicals. And, and the three major chemicals, like which we talked about before recording, is, um, is dopamine, uh, norepinephrine and serotonin. Um, there's a, a ton more chemicals that are involved, but those are like the three, you know, the the map daddies of of, uh, of of the of the motherboard, right? And the communication systems. And so, when anytime we we consume anything, okay, and and we could talk specifically about um, like a, a substance, a controlled substance, right? Anytime we inject or consume a controlled substance. It is basically tricking, you know, those receptors, those parts of the brain into thinking that there's already enough of it produced. And, and anytime we're talking about a controlled substance, we're talking about um, like a compound chemical. So that means it's the synthetic form of dopamine, for example, is is like a, a super, you know, dopamine. And, right. and when I when I do uh, when I do psychoeducation with my clients or in group settings, um, I always draw like a receptor. I'm a terrible artist, so it probably looks <laughs> totally inappropriate, but I draw a receptor. I draw lowercase d's for the receptor releasing the dopamine, the natural dopamine. But when right. we talk about synthetic dopamines, I always do the, the capital D, you know, just to give them an idea that this is, this is a synthetic dopamine, but it's like, like the map daddy of it, right? So right. if the receptor is, is used to releasing, you know, a certain amount of lowercase d's, mm. and then it gets this capital D in, the receptor says, oh shit, and, and I apologize for You're my good. language. You're good. Uh, it's the athlete in me, right? <laughs> Strength coach is like, damn it, McCall. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the receptors say, I, I produce too much dopamine. So what it does naturally is it shuts down, you know, yep. it regulates it and shuts it down. So dopamine in that example is responsible, is, is like the chief for our energy and, and our excitement, right? So right. if your receptors are shutting down dopamine, then that means you're, you're awfully depressed, you know? You're having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. You're having trouble uh, concentrating or making good decisions for yourself because we all know from, from all of us that have experienced, you know, extreme sadness, prolonged sadness, 
depression even. And, and for those of us who have experienced suicidality to some degree, um, we know it's difficult to make decisions, you know, that are that are positive for ourselves. Yeah. Our friends are like, hey, you know, Bianca, let's go out. I don't want to go, you know. Yeah, right. Hey, let's go work out. I don't want to work out. And I, I had a question I want to add in there too as well. I would imagine, I have no idea, so correct me if I'm wrong. I would imagine as well, again, especially if you're doing like an injection of something mm-hmm. and you're getting all of that chemical all at once as well. And then I'm sure that there's like peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and your body's like, whoa. So then I can imagine mentally, uh, I would imagine that your brain, you're going from one extreme that probably explains like the extremes of, of emotions that it's like, I'm so again, testosterone pumped up, ready to work out all these other things. And then the next moment I'm like, again, don't want to go out. Don't want to spend time with anybody. Um, you know, again, I'm, you know, again, almost feeling the opposite of what I want to feel with like that, that other side. Um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like, again, because of how much is being you know injected all at once and that really large hit that you're getting, I'm sure the body's like freaking out, like uh, oh, trying yeah. to understand what's overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so another, another drawing that I, I tend to do when I'm talking about this, um, is I'll draw kind of like a, a circle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is a great explanation for something like bipolar disorder, you know, mm-hmm. Um, so what we know of bipolar disorder is that it involves mood swings. So yeah, we, can, right. we can apply this here, um, with substance induced mood swings, you know, it looks very much like bipolar. Mm, so right. I draw this circle and then in the middle of the circle, I draw kind of like the equator. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the equator would be kind of like your stabilized mood. That's mm-hmm. where it would land. So, um, what I'll do with, with, uh, any type of injection or, 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 um, consuming like a controlled substance, it creates spikes, you know, kind of going North pole, South pole, North pole, South, right. right? Right. And, and when we look at North pole, for example, and this is true for bipolar, this is true for substance abuse and addiction. And this is true for this example. When we look at the North pole, we're looking at, uh, symptoms and it's almost like a scale, you know, like think of like green up to red, right? Green, yellow, red. And, at the at the green uh, at the North Pole, you might have some mania, you know, and and mania right. looks like, hey, I could do it. Oh, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna bat a thousand. I'm gonna, you know, I'm doing all this big stuff, right? So mania, uh, once you go up and you get into yellow, you, it, it turns into like grandiosity, which is like just totally uh, unrealistic you know, kind of, kind of goals or achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it then borders into delusional. Right? right. So, so you go from grandiosity to no, now this is just straight delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get into red, the very top of that, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're talking about psychoticism, you know, right. mm-hmm. uh, some people, the delusions are so bad that they're paranoid that they're, they might be hearing things or seeing things that they don't normally, you know, experience. Right. Um, right. So that's kind of like the, the escalated uh, version of, of yeah. North pole. Right. So when you're yeah. spiking, you may be hitting on that point and you may be escalating every time you go up. Right. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing occurs on the South pole on, on that, on that model. So you've got some sadness, right. And when you're right. in green, you've got some prolonged sadness that turns into some depressive, you know, attributes. Now you can't get out of bed. Now your appetite, your sleep is affected, all these things. And then jumping to the red on the South pole, you've got suicidality, you know, mm. And so same things, 
the each time you go low, you may go lower and lower and lower, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, I mean, and I hope that that answers your question, that's, that's Joey, great. but like, great. yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's your body is freaking out. That's what's happening yeah. just biologically yeah. uh, as far as the chemicals mm-hmm. is, is you're putting yourself in danger every time you go up, every time you come down. You're, 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 uh, what it made me feel, Bo, I know we, you and I talked about that on one of the podcasts is that that later in my week after I, let's say I took Monday and it's Saturday, Sunday the thought of me injecting again became a dopamine hit by itself, but also me like it, it now becomes a craving because I, I, I I'm low and I feel myself low and like, right. I want that hit, you know, I want Monday and Tuesday when I feel again, I'm going up to that North pole and I feel the strongest, my lifts are strong, you know, all these things that are happening like mentally where I'm at. But at the time, Look, I, there is no understanding of, I mean, you're just connecting dots for me, but there's no understanding of what it's doing to me psychologically. I'm just thinking body, like right. body, 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 body. And I was telling one of the biggest thing that was crazy to me is how little chemical I needed mm-hmm. to change all of those things. Like I, it, it freaked me out the first time that I saw, a, you know, uh, it in a syringe and I'm like, that's it. Like. That's all like that. Like that's all. And I'm, you know, and to the point where, and again, the first couple of weeks, like I talked about the first episode uh, or the second episode, first couple of weeks, I was like, didn't really notice many changes. Right. And then over time, how that, gra- you know, obviously gradually really changed. Um, and then also to my tolerance, which I, I, I'm sure, you know, again, is very similar to, you know, drugs and the, the tolerance, you know, that comes with that stuff as well. But um, yeah, for me, it connects a lot of those dots because again, throughout the week, that Monday, you know, or, or whenever that Sunday, I think I was injecting on, on Sundays that, that, that was like, you know, I was so excited to go over and get my in, injection. And then also, you know, my Mondays and my Tuesdays were hot, like I was good, you know, and then late as the weeks went on, I dissipated and, you know, I'm ready for another hit, you know? Right. Yeah. So that was big. You know, you had asked me before about, or you had mentioned dependency, you know, versus addiction. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, we're looking at everything like a, a multidimensional kind of scale, right? Yeah. And right. so, you know, the, the body, and, and I can kind of use this analogy um, as far as, you know, like you've got different layers of skin, right? Before yeah. you, you get into the meat and the flesh and then to bone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing. Breaking skin is is like the first time that you use a, a certain substance and some substances i'll tell you the truth it, you go straight to the bone you know with right. substances mm, yep. but but with others you break the skin you know and once you get into kind of the meaty part or the fleshy part um then you're having you're more likely to have not only physical dependency or physical impact but psychological as well once you're hitting bone you're hitting some spiritual you know some spiritual uh impact and, yep. and once you get to the bone, that's really where you're talking about addiction, you know, but it, it starts off a dependency. It starts off with the body feeling like, um, hey, this is good. I need I need this dopamine in order to uh, to feel happy. You know, um, that's a dependency issue. And once you get closer to bone, then it's it's like what you talked about, Joey, um, psychologically, you're you know, whether or not that could have been, you know, 
water, you yeah. know, in, in the vial. Yeah. Just the act of doing it, it serves yeah. the function for you psychologically. Yeah. And and that's why that's why addiction treatment is so complicated, right? right. Because um you you have a function now, like the 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 drug use um serves a purpose for you in other ways of your life or other mm-hmm. aspects of your life. Yeah. Right. I was I was I'd say like uh, that's where I wanted to go as well as that like people not understanding is, is that it's not necessarily even, again, we were talking about steroids are my, my example, right. And you've talked about some other drugs, but anything can be an addiction, right. right. It could be the act of like, for example, again, sports again. And that's where you get to the point, like you're saying with those layers where I was connecting with where you, but you make it your idol. And now my ups and downs and all those things that affect my mental health, which again, can lead to suicide. You know, again, like you don't have to do drugs. They'll obviously lead you to a, a su- you know, path right, of suicide, right. right? And so like for me, for example, is again, when sports becomes most, a lot of athletes um, idol, right? And their emotions start to be tied in their North and South Pole start to be tied to their performance. Right. Um, you know, obviously that, that is... Um, I think that it's very interesting for coaches that are listening to this conversation is that we're not just talking about drugs here. We're talking about how the body operates in, in relation to anything it starts to form dependence upon. And I think it has a powerful message for me independently, Bo, and Bo, we love to do this, but what the Bible says and how it correlates with how the body actually works and why there is instruction of what not to make your idols and all these other things because of, again, obviously it's correlation to science. Like it's, it's actually very interesting. I love, um, I love when there's like, again, that, that, those correlations have been like that, you know, again, we figure out why that is. That's, it's just such an interesting thing. Right. What do you I want you to yeah, go ahead? Beth. I want you to open up because a lot of the, the people that I had referenced to and grew up to that were addicts, lifelong addicts, they learn how to manage their, those swings, right. They're always operating at a certain level and, I think that's tricky to, um, you know, they're very manipulative. They've learned how to place people around them. They're almost like that narcissistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you deal with people like that, that they're seem normal in a way. They have it so managed. Um, what, why don't you open up some of that stuff and what can cause people to get to that point if they don't see some of those red flags early on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of going back to that model um, when we talk about delusion and delusion, uh, I think is is probably the most significant uh, experience, you know, as we're we're going up, because um, I will say, you know, anybody that experiences bipolar, for example, they they're okay with mania because to them they associate mania with happiness with with something right. positive. And so even though they're experiencing delusions and, and all these things that are dangerous, um, it's like when you go into narcissism, it's almost like this, this welcoming of those types of feelings, you know, right. that's what they want to be. So that's a part of the problem is that we associate, and I think this is just as a culture, as a society, we associate um, uh, pleasure and, and positives with uh, unhealthy the, you know, forms of like mania and delusions and things like that. I would say another reason why delusion is so significant in this discussion is because um, there's a fine line between delusion and what every athlete does to prepare for, for um, a competition, 
right? right. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about the use of imagery, the use of, of music, the use of whatever it is to inspire and to motivate this kind of killer instinct in an athlete, um, like right. I said before, the, the path to championship isn't pretty, no, you know? No, no, um, no. Yeah. There, so there's a fine line between what we all do in order to get pumped up for a game and, and right. what is delusional, right? Because right. in some cases, um, you know, we're being asked of from our coaching, from our coaching staff, from our the institutions, you know, whether it be um, a university or a professional team, we're being asked to, to go out there and exhibit extraordinary, extra human uh, strength and abilities to pull off a win, right? Right. And and for some of us, if if especially if we're the the smallest person, the slowest person, um, you know what what have you, we have to almost be delusional, right? To right. to go out there and have that mentality of of we're just going to to you know take names, to take right. names and, and to pound people. So um, so. With that, with that aspect, you know, I, I think that that's definitely um, something that impacts all athletes is that it's almost like our mission is to get there, you know, in that dangerous right. element of, of mania, of feeling like, hey, I can do whatever, grandiosity, delusion. Yep. Um, it's almost like we, we're, we're told to get there. We're groomed. We're trained to get to that place. Yeah, so, exactly. um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and really where the risk is, is that, you know, the world kind of in that view flattens a little bit to where um, you spike up, but then you're going down and you're hitting that rock bottom a lot, a lot sooner, you know? Right. So that's why people need more to, right. to avoid that. Yeah. Right. And, and now, and now you're diving into, which um, I won't say names, but uh, I've had conversations with people that played in the big leagues for 10 plus years. And now you're riding the wave of, look, I'm going to take amphetamines to get up and now I can't go to sleep. So I'm going to have to take Vicodin to go to sleep. And now you're self-inducing yourself into those things. Yeah. And when your career's over, you think you're just going to stop all of a sudden? Like, yeah. And that's, and once again, that's part of, when you're 17, 18, 19, you start saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to yeah. get to that level. And yeah. now you're in the show and there's yeah. a handful of guys that you're competing with in the world. And in a way, it's really the system that's built these athletes to get to where they are. And now they're just doing it's their career at that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going to do whatever it takes, you know, and and obviously there's guys that don't do that. But yeah. I am saying I can see how people would succumb to the pressures of that, especially at that highest level. You know, it's, it's it's select few people that can get there. You know, I I think about, I think about that a lot for uh, one thing I had to remind myself because I slip into the same space as a consumer of this, you know, information and this, this content and entertainment is, you know, you're watching NFL it's week, you know, nine or whatever. Right. And Mm -hmm. and you're watching and, you know, a guy, you know, uh, gets tackled or, you know, something happens and your brain, you're not understanding where his body is. And like, it's week nine, like he's probably destroyed. He has, you know, again, he's been tackled a million times and he's in workouts and all of these things are happening. And like what he's doing to again, recover and also what he's doing to like make it through that, that game. Um, you know, that's just NFL. Then you look at like UFC, like 
These guys are taking leg kicks. These guys, like these guys are doing things and taking some of these, this pain that no one else can take. Um, you right. know, again, some of these guys are doing drugs and that's why there is, you know, drug testing and all these things. But again, there's a right. lot of people that are doing a lot of these drugs to be able to handle a lot of this pain. Um, so they can continue right. to make through the season because there's bonuses associated yeah. with game lengths. And there's, there's all of well, these things that are based, like you were saying, Bianca, on right. performance and being extraordinary. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, and, and again, as we see this transcend, you know, uh, even sports, we, we look at just in society, um, that level of pressure, you know, that's involved. I, when you're, when you're talking about, um, athletes, you know, having the pressures and having incentives almost to, to stay and remain in the space. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing. You know, I was thinking of our first responders, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, here, you know, in the Las Vegas area, um, I, there's so many amazing initiatives to work with our first responders, our police and our, and our, our uh, fire department, because they really are the front lines in, in the face of any type of disaster or crisis. Um, Not too too many people really realize this, but um, it's, it's, you know, fire department that arrives on scene first, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, with, with, in case of of any kind of disaster and released by, by first responder police. And so they're seeing things that are, you know, everything that we don't want to see, right? Um, in life and death. And a way for, you know, our first responders to get amped up to where that doesn't impact them, to where they're not falling to their knees or or wanting to die themselves is, yep. you know, use of substances to stay up, you know, to stay mm-hmm. up and, and alert to be able to respond to crises. Um, and, and, you know, they have the same kind of cycles as, as you're mentioning, Bo, with the, oh, I'm going to take an upper to, to stay up and then I've got to take a downer to get some sleep and, and to recover yeah. and rest. Um, and so this is, I mean, you know, it's, it's larger than sports, you know, sure. and, and it's, it's a societal, it's a cultural rule, you know, for, for yeah. a lot of us is, um, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Mm-hmm. And and how people stay ready, you know, right. it varies, but there's so much out there um, that that puts people in that pocket, even though that might be a dangerous place for them. Right. And yeah. I think, I, I really think that starts, look, you look back at the 60s, 70s, drugs are viewed as a substance problem, not a health problem. Right. And it is a health problem. It's a public health issue. And people look at this and they think it's, finally starting to come around to where it's mental health and it's more of a public thing, mm-hmm. but we have generations of people growing up thinking that it's, it's the substance. No, it's a health issue. It's a physical public health issue. And it doesn't help when you got Dak Prescott come out and say, I'm depressed. I didn't, I couldn't practice. I couldn't leave my room. You have mm-hmm. commentators that are saying you're the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, shut up and throw a football. Mm-hmm. That, that's, right there that just shows where, where our society is at and how we view yeah. these things and that, that's not even considering the substance stuff thrown on top that these guys are dealing with mm-hmm. you know and I, I think that all starts with how we perceive these substances as opposed to um, saying it's more of the individual if that makes sense yeah no absolutely and and I think um, you know 
athletes, I think, are arguably the modern day leaders, you know, of, of our right. of our communities, of our societies. And so the way that we treat athletes, you know, and, and it's most notably or most visible on the professional level, of course, right. but but I think on, on every level it's it's really the same. But this type of treatment of um, you know, whether it's suck it up and, and get out there, whether it's hey, uh, appreciate your privilege and sacrifice right. your own your own health and well-being. Um, you know, these types of messages, that's it's happening on every level, on every scale, sure. but it's most visible with our professional athletes. And so right. that's that's actually pretty scary um, to see, to witness, um, you know, a leader like Dak Prescott, you know, actually having the courage to come out and say, I'm struggling with my mental health, uh, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, justifiably, right? Right. Um, it's it's an amazing thing for for people like or professionals like Dak to come out and, and say these things, and it's a scary thing to see a response be um, just play, just focus on on the sport, just focus right. on because what that translates uh, to, and I think psychologically and spiritually is where it kind of messes us up as athletes is. Maybe we're just, you know, good for our bodies, good for right. our entertainment, you know, being used uh, to, to, to earn money, you know, and it is, right. you know, and just to throw a little bit of controversy out on, on the farm system podcast. Here we go. Um, Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Stir sorry. it up, baby. Sorry. Um, it's, there's, it, 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 I think it shows um, like a modern day slavery, you know, and, and right. I'm not talking racial inequality at the moment. But I am saying um, just the way that our society is set up, um, the way that we treat our leaders, the way that we treat our survivors. Um, right. It's it's this kind of slave, uh, you know, orientation. It's this uh, forget about all the bad stuff that that's attached to this. Just right. remember, you know, to to love, obey, and and, and right. be forgiven by by your master type of thing. You know, right? And you start to you start to lose the person. You start to for, you forget that these athletes are people too, yeah. and they're viewed as an investment instead. A lot of them view them as an asset, but yeah. you're replaceable. That's really how they view it. Look, I'll go find somebody else to be the quarterback. And yeah. we forget that they're a person. They're dealing with things that, you know, the guy watching football's mm-hmm. dealing with too, you for know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, again, a great piece and a bit, you know, obviously I think we, Bianca, we could talk all day. I think there's so many things, there's so many layers to this. And I tell anybody, if you're talking to an expert on anything and they can tell you everything they know in one day, they're probably not an expert for one. Right. right. Um, but, uh, again, it's just not possible. And again, we, we'd love to, I'm sure there'll be other parts and there's so many other projects that we've talked about and some other things that, uh, you know, I'm sure that you'll, you'll be much uh, more involved as we continue to do some things. I'm excited for some of that. Awesome. Um, but um, the big thing we want to do for coaches as well is I know that a lot of my coaches, one, um, weren't really educated, right, on this subject in particular. And um, two, maybe didn't want to talk about it, didn't know how to talk about it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very tricky thing. And then three, like, had nowhere to really point them of, you know, uh, resources that they can go to, people they could talk to, or, um, you know, again, things like that. So um, I want to, you know, I know that you have a lot of resources and a lot of knowledge on some of these resources, especially you were one of these resources. Um, So I want you to go ahead and just kind of open that up and maybe just help some coaches out with 
um, some some options. Yeah, you know, I, I, at the risk of, of sounding like I'm just promoting, you know, what I do, um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about about uh, myself and 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 my agency as a resource first and, mm. and foremost. Um, I also I, I kind of want to generalize the um, the approach to these types of issues as well because right. I don't. I, I'm a huge advocate of empowering communities and, and peer supports, you know, of working within and, and um, healing, recovering within um, before kind of outsourcing. Um, and, and that's a large part to do with, you know, supply uh, doesn't meet the demands. When we talk about everybody who is maybe battling with some mental health crisis um, or, or just even with the uh, notion that mental health is something that needs to be addressed daily, you know, um, there's, there's so many people out there and there's not enough of your, what I would call traditional, you know, resources uh, for those, for those folks. And so I'm all about educating, bringing about awareness first, educating folks and empowering them so that they can have the confidence to be able to be that person, to be that right. resource. So as far as coaches, you know, instead of, or I, I don't believe the first step should be to outsource. Right. Let's, let's get you empowered, you know, let's get you aware, educated and empowered to be that resource for for your team, you know, same thing with management, and and as we, you know, uh, elevate into the into the offices. Um, so Great then point. back to what I do and what my agency. My agency is called Desert Rose Counseling Group. I myself am a licensed therapist to be able to to chat with people. And again, I come from you know some of the same walks of life as as other athletes and and things like that. Um, that's what we do is we are leading the charge in these awareness campaigns. You know, we're, we're talking about our own lived experiences um, having to do with uh, handling pressure, handling stress, um, some of the maybe unhealthy ways we've used to cope. Um, definitely we have a specialization in um, what we would call kind of a co-occurring um, dis-ease, which is, would be mental health crisis along with substance abuse and, and addiction histories. Um, all of these things are special specializations as well as ultimately is suicide prevention. That's where, what the, is at the centerpiece of our services. And that's what my passion is because like I explained kind of in those models, um, suicidality, there's a, there's a spectrum of suicidality. It's not just someone wakes up one day and, and thinks, has thoughts of suicide and, and then does it, or right. is even just needing some extra attention that day. But they may be on the scale where they're spiking and dropping and spiking and dropping. And so this is a spectrum. This is a, a process um, where suicidality or suicide itself is a, it, it, it happens with anybody that experiences depression or prolonged sadness that is a, a possible cause is, is death, you know, um, right. from experiencing that. And so, um, so I would recommend, you know, if you, if you don't feel like you have the education or the awareness about how to manage the mental health of your, of your squad, right. Um, if you do outsource, I think any mental health professional, um, should be able to address 
just that that the symptoms you know that that may place you on that spectrum or or maybe driving you to to those danger points um but i but i you know it's the same thing i use uh the analogy of, of first responders often uh when it comes to trauma and stuff like that and you know you you're not going to talk to a police officer or a fire or a fireman or woman without them feeling like you can relate. And so that's why you oftentimes see them not talking to anybody who's not their own. So right. I apply that to athletics as well. And, and, and more so I give a call to action to coaches and to administrators, to universities and institutions to have mental health, social work supports on your teams, we should be coach. We should be right along in, the, in on the coaching roster as well, because we need to be working from within. You know, teams and, and other athletes—they're going to feel a lot more supported, and we see a lot better outcomes when it's a peer support, when it's somebody that they know can relate to to them. You know, right? Well, that's and that's why the Farm System Podcast. What you guys are doing is so amazing and so important is because as a peer support, as somebody who's gone through it, you're able to share your, your lived experiences and, and be able to be the resource for these folks, you know, um, and, and you're not going to get a better outcome, you know, by, by outsourcing to, to another therapist or doctor. There's not enough of us out there um, right. to, to meet the, the demands um, but I'm out there. And so, like I said, yeah. um, you know, I, I definitely want to plug uh, Desert Rose Counseling Group, uh, myself, you know, I, I could be reached. Um, I'm on social media, both Desert Rose Counseling Group and myself. Um, I'm, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just by my name. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, we're working on so many other projects to promote this very same ideal of survivor empowerment you know and, and survivor right. it doesn't necessarily mean that you had to attempted suicide or lost somebody to suicide but if you're surviving all of the traumatic events and tragic events of the world right we all make decisions to wake up the day after living in poverty living with disappointment living with disconnect um so we're all survivors and and, and once we reach the point of recognizing ourselves as such then we can be able to um, educate ourselves, gain the confidence to be able to reach in and, and pull somebody else up, you know, um, and reach in, you know, very timely um, is, is the name of the documentary project that I'm working on. Um, and it's, it's, it's based on that entire, you know, premise of uh, we're survivors and it's time for us to, instead of being shamed, instead of us being, you know, confined to this, this dark space, you know, where we don't talk about our struggles. Um, you know, I am trying to create a safe space to bring people to, to feel comfortable enough to share their stories, to learn how to share them responsibly and in a way that inspires others. And so that's what the documentary uh, reach in is about. Um, also with the documentary, um, like I said, we released kind of a promotional uh, music video. Both of those are on YouTube as we speak. Uh, and then I'm also we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it our our outro song too. <laughs> yes. take, I'm gonna take yes. it. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put on the outro song for the for this episode. So everybody <laughs> get that hype in when we leave. Like, listen, go ahead. listen. I am not a rapper. I am not a rapper. That's that's my. I'm, but I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. <laughs> for not being a rapper, I'm an athlete. 
athlete, okay? I'm an athlete at heart and in mind. And and you know what when they tell us, you know, there's there's something, there's a goal at hand, make it happen, you know. I, I will rap. I will rap. I will I will do whatever it takes to, to get to this goal of uh of of empowering survivors, you know? And, a hint and of draw week, rule. A hint of draw rule. I, I must. Say. Inside <laughs> <laughs> joke. Inside joke. But I'm just yes. I've heard you rap quite a few times by now. All right. That's all I'm saying. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's all we're talking about. Hey, that's locker room talk. Let's locker room talk. <laughs> but uh, but something that I'm actually very excited about, and I have not like mentioned it, not even a whisper anywhere, not even on my own podcast platform, but mm-hmm. something that I'm very excited to, to announce on, on the farm system mm-hmm. is uh, along with the documentary uh, project, I've actually been secretly very quietly developing a web application also titled Reach In, and um, there's also this Reach In University kind of brand that's emerging from it, because awesome. it will feature uh, courses um, on, uh, it'll feature one of my courses that I actually developed the curriculum to, it's called The 11 Triumphs, and it's all about, um, you know, survivor empowerment, and it, it looks very much kind of like uh, 12-step recovery, but in the space of trauma recovery and suicidality. Yeah. Um, and as well as bringing on some of my, my uh, the great people that are around me, my, my experienced survivors, teaching courses on how they survive, you know, how they manage their mental health, whether it be in areas of, of music production, of motivational speaking and, and self-improvement and empowerment, which leads me to, uh, to uh, TC Mentality, our, our friend TC. Oh, oh you mean this? Uh, there she oh, is. You mean this? Yes. Yeah, there okay. she is. Published author, esteemed published author, world renowned. Uh, the relationship you're in, that book is out right now on Amazon. And I, I I purchased it. I'm not just telling you about it. I should grab, I don't know where my copy is, but uh, but I, I, as soon as I got in the mail, I ripped open the packaging and laid on the couch and, and read, through, read through it in one night. So um, so that's, that's the squad right there. That's the team. Um, you know, see athlete mentality, like I operate in teams, you know, um, so yeah, that's, that's the point guard on our team right now, um, feeding assists and things like that and, and getting this reach in movement, um, you know, which is a a powerful thing, getting that going. And so I just encourage, uh, you know, whoever's listening, coaches, players, um, family members, you know, of, of those, um, look out for, for reaching now. Uh, we're, we're on web app. We're on the docu-series. We've got music out there. Mm-hmm. And then of course the uni podcast is, is where it all starts. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, and where we are able to, to share those stories, you know, with the world. So very excited about all those things. Uh, lastly, I will say, because I'm wearing so many hats and I'm doing so much, I just mm-hmm. could go on and on and on. Um, <laughs> But we also have the nonprofit organization Desert Rose Gives, and and I'm very excited about starting that um, at the beginning of of COVID-19 impact because it allows us to put people over profit, you know, with a nonprofit organization and allows us to keep the focus of just empowering communities. We just want to bring awareness and educate and and motivate people to want to help others, you know. Um, I think the one of the, the biggest things, you know, and this is for anybody that, that is struggling with how to have those conversations, you know, whether it be with their players or family members or friends, um, 
it's really, it comes down to just, it's all love. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I always share this profound statement that I, I heard on a TED talk and he was saying the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is love. It's loving, mm-hmm. healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that applies to everything that we're talking about, you know, here yeah. today and everything yeah. that we touch upon when it comes to uh, overall mental health, you know, yeah. um, right. is, is we need a whole heck of a lot of love and compassion. Um, we need understanding, understanding why, like listening to, to part one of the series, we, that's so important. We have to understand the why you know, um, for, for things happening. So creating safe spaces, allowing people to share that why, um, and, and surrounding them by compassion and love. That is the key, my friends. I love that. Yeah, no, I love it. No. Um, again, thank you so much for, you know, coming on. I I think it's, again, this was, uh, Bo and I were just talking about this with a, a, a group, um, just, you know, that we might bring on with us to really do some things. And so we had talked to them and we just, I talked to you that this series uh, has been something that Bo and I have talked about for a while, um, but also too is a very vulnerable thing, right? And also in the landscape of, you know, uh, publicly what that feels like and one of those things. And so we'd love to wrap up this great series that has been to have you on and provide some resources and also connect the dots. Um, and also, um, again, I've learned, you know, I've already learned a lot from you, especially oh, yeah. this episode as well. And just helping, yeah. Uh, just better understand um, this education. And, and I think that's so we're so quick to, especially on the baseball side of things, if you're a baseball coach, you've heard the name, uh, you've heard uh, the term eyewash so many times in your life, all the way to this point of understanding that again, mental health is not eyewash, right. And, and, and understanding managing that. And as a coach, your responsibility in that role and how big of an impact you have on athletes. Um, right. And not only right, you know, again, obviously we're with you, but for their life and to set them up, uh, to be successful. And again, um, no coach, especially, you know, anyone listening right now, no coach wants that phone call that one of your former players committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody wants that phone call. So again, let's prepare them. Let's arm them, right? Let's give them shields, right? Let's give them weapons um, to, to right. fight, you know, this battle that is mental health and um, this, you know, this mountain um, that it can be and, f- and feel like at times. So, um, you know, thank you so much for jumping on with us and, and helping us do that, you know, mission and, and complete this really impactful series that meant a lot to us. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was so, it was so special to be here. Um, like I said, I was excited. I was excited all day, all week uh, for this spot. So I appreciate you guys involving me in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you hopping on. All right, well, guys. Well, um, from us and our partners over at Yakertech, until next time. Farm system out.